in Mark 2. Um, I, I, if of, of, of all, the, I love the Bible, by the way. Of all the Bible, though, I would say my favorite parts of the Bible are the Gospels. And because uh, you got Marky Mark, you got uh, Matt, you got Lucas, and you got Little John. Okay. And so these, the, I love the Gospels. And so we're in Mark 2 today. And uh, this morning, we're going to read a decent little chunk, which was my name, nickname in high school. Um, just kidding. Uh, this is actually perhaps one of my most favorite. <laughs> that was so dumb. Um, one of my most favorite passages of scripture. We're going to get through this today, okay? Um, and so today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning. Um, if you're with me, say, let's go. If you're not ready, say, hold up. I hear you. But I'm done killing time. So let's go. It says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. Man. So verse three, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith. I love that. He saw their faith. Because a lot of times we say that faith is, is um, faith is, is by, by hearing and by hearing the word of God. But I love how Jesus right here, he said he saw their faith. I want you to know that your faith can be an action. Your faith should be an action. So when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse six, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, also known as the haters. They were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven or to say, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat and walked out in full view among all of them. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. What if you left church today saying, we have never seen anything like this? Come on, like, if you're taking notes today and, and you need a title, I want to encourage you to take notes when whoever preaches. Um, if you need a title, the title is today is more than what I came for. And let me tell you right away that our God has the ability to do more than what you came for. Like that should make at least 10 of you excited in this room. Like, cause I hope you showed up today with some expectation, right, Jimmy? See, he's ready. 
So let's do this. Work with me today. Look at your neighbor. Look at the person right next to you. Say, neighbor, God will do more than what you came for. Look at the other neighbor that you ignored the first time. And say, other neighbor, you're my second option. But I need you to know God will do more than what you came for. See, there was this man one day that he, um, he called up his doctor in a panic. He was in a panic. And so, and he calls up his doctor, doctor, I need to see you. I need to see you right away. Doctor, I got to meet. We got to talk. So he rushes to the doctor's office and the doctor says, well, what's going on? What's wrong? What's happening? And the man immediately, he's like, everything. And he's like, Everything? And the man is like, everything, everything is wrong. Every place that I touch on my body hurts. If you're over 40 years old, you could probably relate. But he's, he's like, every place that I touch on my body, it, I feel excruciating pain. And the doctor's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, what? Like, and he's like, every place that I touch on my body, I feel excruciating pain. And the doctor's like, okay, touch your knee. And he goes, ah, Screams out in pain. They're like, oh, in- interesting. Okay, okay. And the doctor's like, okay, do this. Um, touch your elbow. Oh. It's like, what? This? Okay. Um, doctor's like, okay, try this. Do this. Touch your hair. Oh. Dummy, you got a dislocated finger. Some of you might get that later. So I tell you that to tell you this. Sometimes you can think there's something wrong with everything when in actuality, there's only something wrong with one thing. And if I can get that one thing in order, the one thing can take care of everything. See, what good is it if you get a raise on your job, that, but you have so much insecurity in your soul, which causes you to spend money that you don't have to impress people that you don't even like? What good is it to get a brand new house and that you don't have peace of mind in the first place? What good is it if you're so desperate to find that relationship that you aren't even whole and you don't even like spending time with yourself? God is wanting to, to, to deal with the one thing that's affecting everything else. So you need to understand that today that Jesus didn't come to the earth just to die on a cross so he can make your life feel and look better. He, he's not a life coach. He's a savior. And he's calling us to go deeper. See, a shallow world needs deep Christians. But going deeper calls you to get connected to community. Like you can't go deeper in isolation. Like I gotta tell you, like some of the most weird, scary Christians are, are the ones, uh, the most weird, scary Christians that I have ever met are the ones who wanna go really, really deep in their faith, but they wanna do it alone. Like these are the ones that come to you and they come to you and they're like, um, Pastor Jeremy, I had a dream last night about a bowl of cereal. There was no milk in the bowl of cereal. And you're like, spit it out. Like, come on. And um, I believe we need milk to be fulfilled. And so today, what I would like to do in the service is just to pour milk on people. (laughs) 
The weirdest Christians you'll ever meet are the ones who want to go deep, but they're not plugged into a church. They're not plugged into a community. They always got some weird prophetic word, some new revelation. They're going deep, but they're going alone. Like you can't go deep alone. Like you need someone in your life to say, hey, that's weird. You just sound crazy. Like you need someone in your life to say, hey, that's cute for the gym, but not for church, right? You need someone in your life to tell you, hey, brother, you need a mint for real. You need community. You need someone to tell you when you got the the pirate on the tooth ship. Something in your teeth. Sorry, that's, that's a family joke. Um, and we tell ourselves that we're okay without others. Don't we? I could do this on my own. We even write songs about it, right? At first I was afraid. I was petrified. I kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. Right? And then we say, oh, I, I will. No, you won't. And it's no wonder your life has fallen apart. By the way, I'm not called to be the singer. That's my wife, as you can tell. Like, no wonder we think the problem is everybody else. Like, they the problem, and they the problem, and they the problem, and they the problem. And we're like, we're dislocated. See, God has wired us for community. In every single one of us, we're longing for belonging. That's why we say like in our student ministry that anyone is welcome to emerge because anyone's welcome to Jesus. See, we all want to be deeply known and deeply loved. See, if I'm loved, but I'm not, if I'm not known, that's my deepest fear. But if I'm known and I'm not loved, it's cheap and it's fake. See, to be fully loved and to be fully known, that is our deepest desire. That God himself is a community. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three uniquely in one. Like God even said in Genesis, he said, it is not good for a man to be alone. We are wired for community. Like Jesus, when he came to the earth and he began his rescue mission to turn the world upside down, like he could have, he could have taken it on all by himself. Like, he's like, I'm the only one going to the cross anyways, right? Like, I'm going solo on this. But he chose 12 people. 12 people. Actually, who are probably going to slow down the mission. But Jesus needed the context of community. In Mark 2, Jesus comes to Capernaum, and the Bible says that Jesus gets to a certain house. And some scholars believe this was actually Peter's house. And so, um, but houses in this time were built for community. Like if the family grew, you just added on. You just added on. Like, hey, how you doing today? Like you looking across the area, like, hey. And like, you just added on. It was like a big community, a big group of people. You add, and it's, it's not like today. You show up at my house unannounced. We got the door shut. We got the blinds pulled. We got the gate locked. We got, we're like, we're peeking out the window. Like this way, not this way. And like, we ain't home. Jeremy's not here. But we're peeking through the blinds. But Jesus showed up at this house and the entire house was packed with all of these people. 
simply because the presence of God showed up in one place. Like, what is it about the presence of God in a place that calls people to be drawn from everywhere? I'll tell you what it is. Is that when the presence of God shows up and he rests in a place like something new, something life-changing, something supernatural, something miraculous can happen. You don't believe me? Why are you here today? My mom made me. <laughs> like, like, I, like, I hope you didn't show up today just to hear a worship team. Although they, are do, they do a great job. I hope you didn't show up today uh, to hear a sermon. I, like, I'm confident you didn't show up to hear that announcement video. Like, I, I hope and I pray that the reason that you got up on a Sunday morning, that you put on deodorant, that you wore your nice shirt, that you, and you got all your, your Mary Kay and Mac makeup put on, is because you know that God's presence could be resting at Crown Point Church today. And when his presence shows up, something's going to happen. Let's be honest. <laughs> this is the only thing we got going for us. Like, is, is God's presence. Like, I, I would sp rather spend time with 10 people in the room with the presence of God than 10,000 and nothing. Like, so Jesus is in the house. And it's standing room only. And he hadn't even done anything yet. He just walked in. And you got to imagine all the people who were filling this room in this moment. There are sick people in the room in that moment. And they're just thinking, if I could just touch his clothes. There were probably some single ladies in the room. Come on, Jesus was single. God, girl, Yeshua is fine. He can cast out demons, turn water into wine. I'm telling you, if we go out, I'm ordering water. Like, and the, the religious scribes were in the house. I am just waiting for him to say something out of context. Right? And you have all these different people in the house with all these different uh, agendas and all, all together in one house. And they're all sitting there waiting to see what he's going to do. But they should have been there waiting to hear what he's going to say. So Jesus stands up and the Bible says that he cleared his holy and anointed throat, which is not in the Bible. But it says that Jesus began to preach the word to them in a crowd that was probably waiting to see a miracle. Jesus preached the word. Now, listen, I love good preaching. I listen, I, I admit, I listen to preaching podcasts. I listen to different preachers from all over the place. Like my family, they'll tell you when we take a road trip, we at least listen to one sermon when, wherever we're traveling to. I make them, I make them. I love people who will preach a good word. Like get this, oh, this, this gets me excited. Obviously, I'm, I, like I said earlier, I'm not even supposed to be here right now. I'm supposed to be in Israel. But, so I had this all set up and I absolutely love this. Get this, last Wednesday, my guy, Nick Rowland, he preached the word at Emerge Youth and I loved it. Tomorrow night, oh, tomorrow night, we have young adults. If you're college age, you're invited. If you're not, don't show up. Um, don't be weird. Um, but 
tomorrow night, young adults, Monday night, 7 p.m., right here in this church, we have an eighth grade girl, Brett Rowland, who's gonna show up and preach to our young adults. Come on, somebody. I love people who will preach the word. This morning uh, in, our, in our youth Sunday school group, uh, Brendan Gologli, I don't know what grade he's in because he's homeschooled. Like, I don't even think he knows. But he brought the word. I love it. Shout out, Brendan. He told me he was gonna watch online. I love it. Oh, and this coming Wednesday at youth, my guy, Trace and Word, it, Trace and Word, Tra- man, well, let's just change your last name to Word. Trace and Woods is gonna be preaching in youth. Right now in this moment, Landon Riley, one of our young adults is preaching to our kids. As long as you're preaching the word, I'm with you. But you see, when I, when I preach or when Pastor Dennis preaches or when anybody else preaches, we just have a word. Jesus was the word. He was the word. The Bible says he was the word made flesh. This means if Jesus really wanted to preach, all he would have had to do is go. And that would have been enough. He still would have been preaching. So Jesus, he's preaching in the house and they're, they're trying to listen to him preaching, but then they get distracted. And they, they start to get distracted and, and they're trying to listen and they hear noise on the roof. Like, what is going on? Jesus, I'm trying to, I don't want to be known as the one person in the Bible who doesn't pay attention to your sermons. Like, but what is going on? Before you know it, debris starts to fall down. Like you, and, and you start to see holes in the roof appearing. And before you know it, you start to see hands tearing through the roof. And like sunlight starts to come through. And like, oh, our house has a sunroof now. This is a wonderful. And before you know it, there's this big hole in the roof. And these four friends, they start to lower this man down. This community of four friends, I thank God for community because the the crowd was the thing that was stopping them from getting their friend to Jesus. And yet his community was the ones that got him to Jesus. So I wanna tell you today, don't let people stop you from having an encounter with Jesus because God will use people to get you to Jesus. Don't let what church people did to you to stop you from getting to Jesus. Because God will use some church people to help you get the breakthrough you need from Jesus. Let me say it another way. God can use the church to heal your church hurt. Find a faith community. If you're looking for a perfect church where everybody's perfect, and they sing your favorite songs, the ones you grew up with, and and they preach your favorite sermons. When you find that church, do me a favor. Don't join it. Because you'll mess it up. There is no such thing as a perfect church. But these four friends, they climbed a roof. They lifted up their friends. Oh, you've been eating carbs. You've been working out today. Like they they carried their paralyzed friend to the roof. Like you need community, but not just any kind of community. Like you need some tear the roof off community. Like I don't need need friends who like see see me on the ground and it's like, hey, uh, you know, the ground ain't that bad. I saw a sale for new mats at Target. No, like give me somebody who's gonna push me into purpose. 
Give me somebody who's gonna tear the roof off. Like, I don't want someone who's gonna keep me where I am. Like, let's go to another level. Like, I, I told you guys um, a couple weeks ago when I preached last, um, my dad having a, a stroke recently. And um, my mom, after this happened, she literally, this is literally what she said. She said, I just called my four crazy friends and we're gonna pray. Like, I get it now, mom, I get it. And what my mom now, now get this, she called her four crazy friends, her community and get it now. I talked to my mom the other day and, uh, and, and here's what she said. She said, your dad needs to be careful. He's been walking through the house without his walker. Like he was even walking down the street, even in just a cane. My mom and her four crazy friends. Like that gets me excited. Come on. Jesus is preaching and he gets the roof torn off. And there's this major interruption going on. And all of, a, all of a sudden, these four friends begin to lower the man down through the roof to the feet of Jesus. Now, like the Bible doesn't say this man's name or anything like that or how long he had been paralyzed. But in this culture, what people thought is that he probably had paralysis and, and it, what it had to do with something uh, is with his sin. His sin caused his paralysis. And like what, what people kind of thought in that day was that is his issue was his own fault. Like, I, I know, I know you can't say anything in church, but you would be shocked at the people who have allowed their issue to become their identity. So now you think you're no more than your mistakes. If you allow your issue to become your identity, you think you're no more than your mistakes and you're defined by that. And so now your issue has become you and you're walking around thinking like what you're going through is who you are. This is just who I am now. God wants you to know that your issue is not your identity. Let me take it further. Stop letting people define you by what you did. And what happened? Like, so a, a few years back, like, like I said, Chris and I are really, really young. But a few years back, uh, we went to, I went to my 10-year class high school reunion. And, and I got to tell you guys this, just to be totally honest with you, I was not a good person back in that day. I was not a good kid. I was not a good Christian. I wasn't even really a Christian. And, and, and so, you know, when you see people, I, I, don't, I hardly have kept up with anybody from high school. And, uh, and so it's interesting, like when you see people that you haven't seen in years, you know, they're all, oh, hey, good to see you. You look a little fatter and less hair, but it's whatever. We still like you. Oh, that's what they said to me. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but they, they and, and you start to tell people like what you do now. You a pastor? <laughs> they laughed. They laughed in my face. Like they were surprised. And even, even hanging out together with people, they even treated me different. Like people, people avoided me. People stayed away from me. Like some, but like as the night went on, hanging out with these people, these people I went to school with, these people I kind of grew up with, these people that were my friends, as the night went on, so many began to show up to me and like, man, I messed up. 
I messed up. I need Jesus. I need prayer. I need to go back to church. And as the night went on, people began to realize and they began to see and they began to know and they began to show up to me. The guy who was just like them at one point. I need Jesus. Don't let your past define who you are. So here's the paralyzed man in the presence of Jesus, probably, probably embarrassed because this is who he is. And this is the issue that he's identified by for, for all of his life in front of all these people. And, and, and he's probably embarrassed, but then all of a sudden there's probably this feeling of hope because for the first time in his life, he's gonna be able to stand on his own two feet. For the first time in his life, he's gonna be able to run. For the first time in his life, when he goes to a wedding and they do the cha-cha slide and they say, one hop this time, he can go. And he's gonna be able to do it. Like this, this is classic Jesus. Jesus, the one who had the power to heal him the first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. What? Like, what does my sins have to do with my legs? Like, if I had been carried to the house, laid down while my friends start to dig a hole, carried to the roof of the house, laid down there while my friends are digging a hole through the roof, lowered down in front of everyone, like, like in front of everyone and, and hearing people say, oh, just, just wait, just wait till Jesus touches him. Just wait just a minute. Watch this, watch this. He's the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness, right? Then the first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's obviously what I'm here for. I don't need these legs. Everybody, sins forgiven, mission accomplished. Like this man wants to walk. Can Pastor Nick come on up and and play something wonderful in the background so I sound spiritual? What do you do What do you do when Jesus doesn't address the need that you thought was obvious? You see, the problem with us is that we don't know what our problem is. Because what good is it to have legs that are whole if your soul is broken? If Jesus would have said, like your sins are forgiven and then walked out the door, he still did a miracle because you're better off being paralyzed and forgiven than walking out living in sin. I know this isn't a popular message today because most people come to God about their legs. The thing that he can do, can he do it? Absolutely, I believe he can. See, our, our, our deepest need isn't for our legs to walk or to have more money or to have more things. Our deepest need is to be reconciled to a holy God and for our sins to be forgiven. Notice when he said, son, your sins are forgiven. That's when the attack came from the Pharisees. Who does he think he is? Blasphemy. 
I want to tell you this. The enemy, he doesn't mind you coming to church every single Sunday as long as you don't get to the root of the issue. He don't mind you singing and praising as long as you don't get down to the sins of your life. But when you begin to uproot all those things in your life, get ready for the enemy to come after you. Because the enemy knows that if God sets you free, you'll be walking and you'll be a testimony. Do you see these legs? They're just proof of what he's done on the inside of me. Now the Pharisees, they, like, they didn't even think it. They didn't even say it out loud. The Bible says that they were thinking to themselves. He's blaspheming, right? Like who can forgive sins but God alone? And, and Jesus, he could even hear their thoughts. Isn't that scary or good? He could even hear their thoughts. And he goes, why are you thinking such things? What is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? I want you to know that's a good question. Let's, let's answer that question. Like I used to say that it would be easier to say that your sins are forgiven. That's what I used to think, right? Because after all, who's gonna check? And the real power was to, to look at someone, like here's what we do as church people. We think the real power and the real miracle is to look at someone who's crippled and say, get up and walk. But the more I thought about it, I realized that that's not the easiest thing. Because Hebrews tells me that without the shedding of Jesus' blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. Do I need to say that again? Because Hebrews says, we, we want it to make it about our legs. We want it to be all about our legs. We want it to be all about our needs, all about our issues. But Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. See, for that man to be forgiven, Jesus knew that in order for your legs to move, your soul has to be healed. My, my body is gonna have to be hung up on a cross in order for your sins to be forgiven and my sins to be forgiven. I'm gonna have to die on a cross. And so it's much harder to say your sins are forgiven because in order for your sins to be forgiven, Jesus has to die and he has to be put in a grave for three days. And, and, and he's not gonna get up for that, from that grave for a little while, but while he's there, he's taking the keys to death, to hell in the grave. And I wish someone today was thankful that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. Like, here's what we wanna do. We wanna shout about a new car and about a new house and about my legs. Uh, anybody can give you a, a new car or a new house. Go visit Oprah. But what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that you can gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Can I have everyone stand with me? I thank God. I thank God for the four friends. Like you need, you, I'm telling you today, you need four crazy friends in your life. I love how Jesus tells the man, get up. 
take up your mat and walk. What, Jesus? You want me to carry my mat? Like, I'm walking out of here. I don't need that thing anymore. I don't need it. Because I don't want you to forget where you used to be. See, some of us Christians, have we been saved for so long? And some of us, we, we tend to get spiritual amnesia and forget where we came from. Don't forget that if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? Don't ever turn your nose up to a sinner who turns to God. Don't turn your nose up when you hear somebody else's issue. Don't forget your mat. Don't forget what God brought you out of. See, the, when, when, when the world sees your mat, it gives you an opportunity to tell how God got you up off of it. You need four crazy friends. You need people in your life. You need to show up with the expectation that God is gonna move. Some of you, like, you don't need healed right now. You don't need more money or more things. You simply need Jesus to save you, to redeem you. In this room right now, everyone, if you're, if you're, bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If that's you, no one looking around in this moment, all eyes closed, you say today, you need Jesus. You say today, I need Jesus. Would you just simply raise a hand in this room? That's me. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, thank you, thank you. There's so many of us. Thank you. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this prayer together. We're all going to pray this prayer together. And um, actually, as I, as I begin to pray this prayer, because I don't want to leave. Actually, after I preached last time and uh, I didn't even plan on having an altar call. And after <laughs> what God did last week in, in a buddy of mine's life, I don't ever want to leave this place without offering an opportunity for prayer. And so as, as we pray this prayer today, if our, if our prayer team would go ahead and come forward and get ready. Um, but if you raised your hand in this room, and you said, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I, I wanna take this step. I need to ask him to be the Lord and the savior of my life. Would you do this? And I'm gonna ask actually everybody in the room to repeat this prayer after me. Say this, say it with me. Say Jesus. Come on, you can do better than that. Say Jesus. Thank you so much for loving me enough to be my victory. Jesus, I know that you paid the price. You died on the cross and you got up from the grave for my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can live for you. My only response is surrender. All of me for all of you. Give me strength to trust you every day. Give me strength to keep walking even when it feels like I'm not moving, but Lord, I know you already have a place of victory for me, prepared for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you need prayer today, actually, could we do this? Could we celebrate our friends who all raised their hands this morning? Man, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's do this. If I don't wanna keep us too much longer. I'm sure Kids Church is mad at me but I work with those guys so we can, uh, we can figure it out. If you need prayer today, come forward.
Step forward, grab one of our people. We wanna pray with you today. We wanna, we wanna see God with you this morning and we wanna see God move in your life. Um, man, I'm so thankful that you're here today. We love you. We thank you for coming to church today. I'm gonna pray one more time and maybe as everyone else is walking that way, you turn and walk this way. And you don't, don't walk out today if you need prayer today. Don't walk out today without catching one of these crazy friends up here. Who, who will help reach Jesus with you. Jesus, I love you so much. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word today. I thank you that you are the word. I thank you that you are the, the, the leader and the Lord of our life today. And Lord, I thank you for, for speaking to our lives this morning. God, I love you so much. I thank you for what you're gonna do today. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. If you need to step forward, don't wait. Respond now. If you need to go, you can do that too. We love you guys. We hope to see you back next week.